Welcome to Mindset Monday on the Synergy Mindset Podcast. Today, I am with Carly Nemo, all the way from Australia. She is the podcast host of Make Some Noise, and we're going to be talking about all things not limited to art, music, play, creativity, expression, and mental well-being. Welcome, Carly, to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here, all the way from down under. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's always a place that I've wanted to travel, so we'll have to talk more about that later. But first, can you tell my guests a little bit about you so they can get to know you? Yeah, sure. So I, in a business sense, I'm a voiceover artist. I run a voiceover agency. So very well uh, practiced in using my voice. Uh, I am also a podcaster, so I've had two, well, so I've had three uh, podcasts so far. Make Some Noise is my most recent iteration and it just launched on the 13th, 14th of January. So it's fairly new Um, and had great success in iTunes. Prior to that, I've had two other podcasts, Keeping Good Company, which was about doing business with my best mate. So we had conversations about what it's like, you know, uh, what it takes to keep, to grow, keep, and something else, good company. (laughs) That podcast is now retired, so it's not front of mind, but it's a really great resource for people who are, you know, starting their own business or working for themselves. And then uh, four years ago, I started Carlosophies, which was actually a, originally a blog that I started in 2009 during the depths of my first depression. And eventually morphed into a podcast which was all about failure. I had just experienced the biggest failure of my life, a co-working space that I opened in Byron Bay that failed and cost me $100,000 and sent me diving headfirst down a cliff <laughs> where I was questioning constantly when I would ever reach rock bottom and I did and I managed to bounce back. And Carlosophies was started because I wanted to, I wasn't hearing many stories at the time about failure. It was all about, you know, I went from rags to riches and there wasn't a lot of the in-between stuff, you know. Mm. There's a lot of shine out there. There wasn't a lot of the gritty stuff. So it was a story for me to feel okay about, you know, it was a podcast for me to learn that failure was kind of okay. And eventually it just morphed into me sharing my thoughts with the world on a weekly basis from my local beach. So that's kind of, you know, the brief nut of what I'm doing in the world. Um, But I'm also really dedicated to, you know, this mental health has been a huge, uh, I wouldn't say issue, but gift in my life that I have lived with off and on for most of it, with anxiety being the most prevalent piece, um, but also quite a number of bouts of depression throughout the years. And creativity and self-expression has been a major part for me in maintaining my mental well-being. And so that's really why I started Make Some Noise. It's not necessarily a business. I'm not selling anything, uh, but it is an expression. And for me, that is what keeps me in a good place. You know, the podcast, podcasting is is for me my my art, you know. It's like my creativity. Some people choose a canvas and and I choose my voice. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing in the world right now. <laughs> I wish people could see your face right now because you're just your eyes shine and you have this glow about you when you talk about it. So I can tell you're very passionate about podcasting. 
Yes, definitely. Well, I also, there are a lot of things that I, that I do in addition to just the podcasting and the voiceover agency. I'm actually a podcast teacher, guide, whatever you want to call it. I have a podcasting school called Radcasters, which I started in 2015. Um, and I work mostly one-on-one -on -one with people now, but there is an online course element to that. I run retreats, I do events and all that kind of jazz around, not necessarily podcasting, but, you know, reconnecting to our voice and, um, you know, figuring out who we are and what our creative process is. So like I actually, and I've written a book, so it's like, I've actually done a lot of stuff, but, um, yeah, but it's all, it's all joyful, playful fun really for the most part I mean there's accounting that's not that fun but you know the rest is pretty good <laughs> oh, so like I don't even know where to start because you have been so transparent with this big failure you experienced and then anxiety and depression and I'm so curious if and how they tie together do you want to take us back and walk us through your journey yeah okay so I feel like as a as a kid I was one of those entrepreneurial type kids that was always doing something. I was big on dancing and singing, anything that involved kind of, you know, yeah, dance music, um, not dance music, but dance or music, <laughs> dance and music. Uh, and so I, and I was the kid who would convince the teachers to let me go out of class to teach the prepper dance routine and perform it to the whole school or <laughs> start the school magazine or boss my cousins around to make postcards and then sell them door to door or, you know, just make my own radio shows. So I was really a very creative kid. And then I kind of hit high school. Not so cool to be like that. Yeah. And it almost became like a survival for me. And so I started to um, conform, I guess, to what was safe and made me relatively, you know, glide through and with that <clears throat> came a suppression of my little creator mm -hmm. and also timed in with that became like came this teen angst because I was no longer this fun carefree kid I was now this kid fun carefree kid who was suppressing herself to fit in and I feel like I pretty much went through all of that until my teenage years when I started drinking uh, just like, you know, I guess a lot of teenage kids do. I don't know if they start as early as I did, but I was probably 14, 15 and we'd mm -hmm. have a drink and, you know, do naughty things and <clears throat> have a bit of fun. Mm -hmm. And that just continued. So I found that alcohol allowed me to unleash that fun part of me, you know, that part of me that I'd suppress so I could have the deeper meaningful conversations with people and I could dance and I could sing and I could be myself and it didn't matter because I could wake up in the morning and be like, well, I was drunk last night, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So that continued for most, I guess, most of my 20s and then I moved away and uh, I moved to an area. I'd moved away before but found myself with friends that, you know, drank and did drugs and all that kind of jazz, so still having a lot of fun. And then I moved to a place that is quite isolated. It's like five hours drive from a capital city in either direction. Mm -hmm. um, co beautiful coastal town, but not many like-minded people. And I was working for myself. So I found myself totally alone beside me and my husband that I knew nobody. Didn't have kids, so there wasn't really a way for me to meet people. Mm -hmm. uh, I was 30 and you know, and we had tried having a baby. It wasn't really working. And 
yeah, I was just like in this place where things weren't good and I couldn't just get, you know, I would get drunk and ring my friends, but it wasn't the same yeah. <laughs> as, you know, and I was just really, really, really lonely and isolated. So I, and my Nana got sick. I found out on my birthday, she only had a few months to live. She died. It was just like this really horrible time in my life and things started to get really dark and horrible. And I ended up just going for a routine pap smear, actually too much information maybe. Um, And the doctor, and I just started crying and the doctor was like, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just feeling really, you know, flat and horrible. And so she sent me on a mental health plan and I went and started seeing a psychologist or a psychotherapist, did group therapy, tried all these different modalities and healing with the angels and, you know, whatever you you could throw at me, I would give a go and eventually started to improve my, um, you know, mental state through a number of things. Really, I looked at my diet. I did a lot of therapy. Mm -hmm. I also uh, did a lot of exercise to the extreme. I took that one to the extreme. Um, And then I started slowly connecting into my creative self. I remember a psychologist had said to me, you know what? Oh, no, it was actually about 10 years ago. uh, It's still, I guess, a movement now. But that whole what is your purpose, what is your passion thing, I stumbled across that. And a lot of them had said, just go back to your childhood and look what you were interested in. Because at that point, I was so disconnected from my feelings that when somebody said, just follow your bliss, I was like, uh, yeah. what is bliss? I don't, I can't connect to a place mm-hmm. where I feel blissful. Mm-hmm. So I, um, yeah, so I started to look back to my childhood and I couldn't even remember really what brought me joy then either but I started reading through diaries and I could see oh yeah I used to write little books and oh yeah I used to you know I just recognized that creativity was something that I was really passionate about back then and I'd completely lost that aspect of myself and so it's actually been a decade of me plugging back into me as a kid because not only had I suppressed that artist but I had also judged her in insanely harshly for what she was creating. Mm-hmm. And it's not good enough. You're not good enough. Like, this is crap. Why are you? My brother is also a really well-renowned artist. Mm-hmm. So he was always the artist. So what was I, you know? So it's been, yeah, a decade of, like, learning to feel safe and creating just for fun rather than the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um And it helps me to, you know, if I'm having a down day, because I don't look at it as I've overcome depression or I've overcome anxiety, it can return at any moment. Mm -hmm. But when I start to feel flat or, you know, like I'm disconnecting from the world, I grab my ukulele or I grab a canvas and I connect back to myself through art in any expression. It doesn't have to be painting, you know, music, singing, dance, gardening, cooking, you know, all of those, those creative outlets that we have are so important. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the journey throughout that journey. There's probably been maybe three or four bouts of depression. And each time I've reached out creatively to bring me back to myself. So now if you take us a little bit deeper, this is the mindset podcast because I'm really 
fascinated uh, how much goes on in our own mind. And mm. you shared those thoughts that you would have, you know, about your brother or about your own work. And I think everybody has those thoughts. So I'm just wondering if you know what it was that helped you to get out of that mindset. Yeah, so there were there was a lot. A lot of different things have helped. Um, one was showing up regardless. But the biggest part is um, there is this, uh, it's not really a modality. I don't really know what have the right language around it. Maybe it's a technique in psychology um, by two psychologists, Hell and Sidra Stone, and it's called the, psycholo- the psychology of selves. Mm-hmm. And it has helped me immensely create some space because I had a super powerful inner critic going on mm-hmm. and uh, a massive protector. So this part of me that was protecting me from the judgment of others, which was this massive wall I was just building up between me and my creativity and others. And so the psychology of selves is about exploring these different aspects. So, you know, for every, um, you know, for example, we have a a good example would be, you know, some people have a really strong people pleaser and others have a really strong self-attendant. So both of those parts live within us, but one is getting more airtime Mm -hmm. than the other. And so it's about realizing that all of those parts have played a role in protecting us at some stage. So seeing if you're, you know, if you're really shaming your self-attendant, if you're a real people pleaser and your people pleaser is really up front and center, recognizing that there's also this self-attending part within you that wants to get, you know, just a little bit of airtime. And in fact, you know, if you can let the people pleaser down, it's actually good to have a self-attendant in balance. Those things need to kind of be in balance. So when, um, so that has been really helpful for me. Just, I had a singing teacher who uh, was like this, uh, she's amazing. She's a singing teacher and she has done life coaching and, and a lot of work around this psychology of selves stuff. So one thing um, that has really helped me identify those is by being the observer when I'm creating something. And this is something that I do in my retreats with people is, you know, because we don't really know if our self-attendant or our inner critic is really, really strong. We don't know that there's anything else, you know, because it's kind of who we are, only it's not who we are. It's just a really strong aspect of ourself. So a process that I use a lot is um, being the observer when you're in a creative process. So showing up to something new that you've never tried before creatively and that could be anything from I do it with vision boarding you could do life drawing I mean you could do what you could go to a dance class whatever it is that's going to take you out of your comfort zone and help you learn and create something but go in being the observer of what's actually happening to you while you're doing this creating and it gives you really amazing insights into how you're showing up for everything that you create, because how you create one thing is how you create most things or everything really. But some people will go, well, not everything, because I show up differently for things that don't matter than things that do matter. But you get a real solid understanding as to what your creative process is, right? So, and the way you show up for one thing that matters to you is the way you show up for all things that matter to you. 
So once you have this, and it may be, for example, these are some examples that I've seen in my own vision boarding workshops at retreat. People get the awareness that, oh my God, I've just realized I'm like the A plus student. I have to get it all done really, really quickly. So then I can help everyone else do theirs Mm -hmm. because that, you know, that allows me to feel like whatever I'm smart. I'm whatever. Uh, Or there could be, uh, you could be sitting there looking at all these pieces of paper, not knowing what to commit, really afraid of committing something to the page because, oh God, what does that mean? You know, so it's like, that that's the way you go about creating with caution and hesitation because you don't want to commit to something or maybe you are questioning like what's the point anyway seriously why am I even doing this this is a waste of my time you know so is that the way that you approach everything that's new and that you're creating you know or um, I get halfway through this is actually part of my creative process I start strong and I'm like yeah I got this I got this and then it all just starts to fall apart in my hands and I'm like, oh, my God, I've got no idea where this is going. Oh, oh, all the self-doubt, all the self-doubt. And then it ends up coming together in the end. And I'm actually pretty happy with what I've created. Mm-hmm. So having that awareness of our creative process really allows us to go in noticing that this is just part of a cycle. And it doesn't matter what I create. I'm going to go through this cycle and it is going to experience self-doubt. And it is going to go through this part when I'm questioning what I'm creating And that's okay. It doesn't actually mean that I need to question what I'm creating and walk away. It's just part of a process. And once we have that awareness, we can create anything because we understand that when we hit up these parts, it's actually just, you know, it's just, it's just a cycle. That's it. So that has probably been that, that has also shown me those parts of myself that um, get in the way when I'm creating too. So the critic coming in, oh, what you're creating, look at it. It's falling apart. What are you doing? You're hopeless, you know? <laughs> and when you, when you have that awareness, you can be like, Hey, inner critic. Yeah. Yeah. We're at that stage. Welcome. Welcome. We're at that stage where you tell me that this is really crap, but you know what? It's going to come back together in the end. I've just got to keep going. So that, you know, you can see like the awareness that just being the observer of you creating can have such a huge on-flow effect to everything that you create. It can be a Facebook Live. You know, I have the same thing when I'm doing a Facebook Live. I'm showing up, I'm doing it. I get to this stage where I start questioning, what am I saying? I don't even know what I'm saying. Uh, you know, so it's, you can see how it, how your process shows up and then you can just show up regardless of what's happening with some level of acceptance that this is just the way it is. Oh my goodness. I'm so smiling right now because I have this exact thing going on with my guitar. I wanted to learn yeah. how to play it and I like get playing it and then I like trip up and I get so frustrated. So the guitar is like sitting across the room and I just yes. stare at it. Yes. <laughs> my singing teacher says, um, just pick it up every day. You know, that's that's her thing. It doesn't matter whether you even play it, but just pick it up and hold it every day mm. so that you're – this is the whole thing about commitment too, right? Like w- committing to something and showing up for it yeah. daily can be really hard. Yes. Um, but it doesn't mean – like as long as – it doesn't even mean you have to learn how to play, you know, bridge over troubled water. You just got to pick it up and hold it. That's enough of a commitment sometimes. And I think sometimes we – yeah, we, we apply so much pressure to the external outcome of what we're creating when it's actually about just being in the creation and playing a lot of the time. Wow. So for me, I feel like there there's 
there are things that we create that we do want to create an outcome from, right? Like we're creating something for a purpose and an intent, and that's fantastic. Uh, but we also need to make sure we're prioritizing some time for improvisation and fun with mm, that. Yes. Because allowing ourselves to have the freedom to improvise is really, really important for our mental well-being as well play you know that's so true such a good point I just wanted to to mention if people are just jumping in now that you're listening to Carly Nemo on the Synergy Mindset Coaching Podcast and everything you're talking about I will link in and put at the show notes page so they can just type your name in and it will all be there thanks cool can you share with us your favorite book and podcast oh favorite book so actually at the moment my favorite book is Understanding Human Design by Karen Curry. I recently um, had someone reach out to me who's a human design. So human design's kind of like astrology and I Ching and all this kind of stuff put together. You put your name and date of birth and where you, the time zone where you were born and you get this chart. And it's fascinating. I have done lots of different personality tests. I love all that stuff. But this thing was the first thing where I felt truly seen for like, um, I don't know, just the, it just explained so much about why I've experienced so much failure in my life and um, so much struggle. It was all in this chart and I just found it so fascinating. So I have this book, Understanding Human Design, that I just like it's the book that it's the gift that just keeps giving. Like <laughs> I pull it out regularly and I'm reading about what gates I have and what profile I am. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, I take all everything, everything for me comes with questions, you know, so with everything with a grain of salt, but this has just been such a, uh, and yeah, an experience where I felt really, really seen and understood. And it's actually, allowed me to have further understanding as and acceptance of where I am in life. Mm -hmm. So um, that would be my favorite book right now. And I have to say, like, this is, this is going to sound so arrogant, but I love my podcast. I love, I love both. Um, I love listening to Make Some Noise because my guests just are blowing my mind with their insightfulness. Mm -hmm. And the, and having actual, so I'm speaking to people who have anecdotal evidence of, or anecdotal stories of being, being in a really not great place mentally and using creativity as a tool to help them, you know, rec recover, I guess, and mm -hmm. maintain their mental well-being. Yeah. But I'm also speaking to psychologists and therapists and brain care people about what's actually going on in our brain. So it's like an amazing it's just, I love it. So in the, the guests are so insightful, but I also love my Carlosophies podcast because what it's like, almost like I, this sounds kind of a little bit out there and woo, but it's almost like I'm channeling on the beach. And when I finish, I don't actually really remember what I said. So going back and listening to it, there's always a message in it directly for me, whether it's like, don't take life so seriously or you know, <laughs> yeah. that there's always something in there for me. So I, I, even though it sounds really probably arrogant, my, my own podcasts are really what I'm listening to right now. <laughs> no, not arrogant at all. So one place they can connect with you is carlynemo.com. Is there anywhere else yep. that they can find you? Um, I spend, I guess I have the most fun on Instagram, which is just at Carlosophies. It's not the usual 
you know, pretty Instagram page, but there's a lot of fun. It's like, I used to be a photographer many, many years ago. So I do love taking pics. And so it, um, but it's mostly ugly selfies there, but yeah, a lot of fun on Instagram. Well, I want to thank She Podcasts for connecting us. If you're a woman podcaster, check out She Podcasts. They have a fantastic supportive group of women there. And I want to thank you for being on the show and invite you just if you want to share any parting words of guidance before you go. So the biggest, I think the biggest mind shift set, <laughs> mindset shift <laughs> that anyone can have the most powerful one is finding some level of acceptance. Once we have acceptance as to where we're at, anything is possible. And it can't be fake acceptance. It has to be like legit surrender acceptance. So when we when we come to this place of acceptance as to who we are and you know accept us for the great stuff but also the ugly parts of us, then we can find real peace and that's a beautiful thing so yeah so just uh just just have more loving kindness towards yourself really and see that those ugly parts of us or the parts that we deem ugly are actually there to service and if we thank them and give them a bit of airtime every now and then without really harsh judgment we can be a much happier healthier well-adjusted human being who can then go on and serve in much bigger ways than, you know, when we're shutting ourselves down and suppressing aspects of ourselves. So acceptance would be, yeah, my final word.